following podcast contains spoilers and words like G, whiz, and gosh damn it. We watch it. We watch it. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to We Watched a Thing. I hope you're all going well out there in PCAST land. This week, I'm joined by my lovely wife, News. How you doing? Um, good, thanks. <laughs> it's great to have you back on the show. It's been ages. How can we get you to not say PCAST? Are you going to join me and Topher for our Bruce Willis marathon? Hard. Pass. Are you sure? Could be fun. They look shit. <laughs> they look like shit films. Well, we didn't watch a shit film this week, did we? No, we watched one of the greatest alien films ever. Yeah, I, you you told me after we watched this that you think this is in your top ten films. Yep, I really like yeah. this film. I would watch it. We are talking about. So this is great. This came in as a Patreon request uh, from fan of the show, friend of the show, Paul. And good on you, Paul. The cool thing about this is that this just about ticks off Villeneuve for the show. I feel like Prisoners is now the only Villeneuve film we haven't done on the show. Mm. So that's pretty interesting. And we have seen that. We have seen it. So we are, of course, talking about Arrival, which is a 2016 American science fiction drama film directed by Denis Villeneuve and adapted by Eric Hirsra, based on the 1988 short story, The Story of Your Life by Ted Chang. It stars Amy Adams... Jeremy Renner, Forrest Whitaker, Michael Stuhlberg, and Zima. And what is it about, Noosk? Aliens come to Earth. They're like pods hovering over different countries. And people attempt to communicate with them. And Amy Adams is the key to everything. <laughs> Would you describe her as the everywoman? Is she the Anne Hathaway of this film? <sighs> Please stop. <laughs> Anne Hathaway is the everywoman. She's not. Back and off her. stop. There is no such thing as an everywoman. Just leave us alone. <laughs> All right. Let's 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 get straight into it then. So, as mentioned up the top, this is based off a short story. You and I, as, as a little bit of research, because, you know, this show is nothing if not uh, thoroughly researched and <laughs> notes written all over the place. Yeah, the, the room here looks a little bit like a beautiful mind. I'm just r- scrolling notes for films all over the walls. So, we, nothing. we listened to the audiobook mm. of this just to kind of compare and stuff. Mm. Um, you very, very much liked the movie better, didn't you? Oh, I mean, I really enjoyed the book, but oh, it was a bit dry. Like, it really goes into the science, I suppose, of like studying speech and um, language, which was so interesting, but. I'm not a scientist. I'm not an academic. <laughs> Wait, there were what? times when I was like- You're not a scientist? Shut up. <laughs> I I could be a scientist. I know you could. <laughs> Lever. <laughs> um, yeah. I, like, there were times when it was just a bit too heavy on, on that and not the actual story. But the woman who read the audiobook was amazing. I thought- I, I don't know if- I assume I assume the audiobook came out before the movie. It did, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because maybe Amy Adams researched and listened to it because she sounds like Amy Adams in the film. Mm. One thing I liked about the, the book, I really, really love the the way that the book is written and the way that the narrative is yeah, told. Yeah, it jumps around. So, between- the entire story is told the night their daughter is conceived and so it's constantly flashing backwards and forwards from that moment. And it's re- I, it's really interesting the way it's written, where it says, you know, like, I remember you'll be. And it's yeah, kind of, yeah, yeah, it's just structured really nicely. Yep. I, I think that this film is 
absolutely wonderful. Like you said, I think it's brilliant. I love that it's you wouldn't I wouldn't call this a slow film. No, but it's quiet. It's yeah, quiet is the way to describe it, I think. Like there's no heavy action scenes or anything. Oh, but I think I it mean there's has- maybe one, the explosion with the, you know, yeah. weirdo soldier who I think it just has such an incredible flow to it. Mm. And I was surprised rewatching it the other night at how short it is. I, I remember this actually being a very long, kind of drawn out, thinky film. It's, I feel like this gets into it almost straight away. Like, yeah. One of the first scenes is the aliens, you know, the, the quote unquote arrival. And well, it's it like, starts oh, wow, that's that a lot once, earlier than I yeah, thought. It starts with that after the montage of her and her daughter. Yeah. And which you think is in the past. Yes. And then you find out it's in the future and it's so cool. That's what I love about the way the film is structured as opposed to the, the book. From the yeah. book, it's very clear from the opening that she can she's kind of omnipresent. She can see the future, the past, everything yes. all at once. The movie is a much slower burn than that, where you do. You think that that's her past and that's maybe her reasoning for being- Because she is kind of a quiet, closed-off person. Mm. And you kind of just naturally think that that's due to the loss of her child. But it's, yes. it's not. That's just who she is. And yep. yeah, I think it's it's really beautifully structured. Even even when she says to Jeremy Renner, oh, I just I realised why my husband leaves me or left me. I can't even remember what she uses now, but it's still, you still think it's past tense then. Yeah. But you're so confused as to why we keep jutting back to random scenes of her with her daughter, even though it's not relevant at all at the time. Yeah. And then, of course, she says, why am I having these dreams? Yeah. It's so cool. I love this film. I mean, you know, it's just while we're talking about that twist in the plot device, so as she learns the language, really that is the gift from the aliens mm. is this, you know, by learning the language, you get this kind of 360 view of time. Mm. I-, I love that that is very, very- simple <laughs> like mm. this this movie could have so easily i i don't i don't want to i don't want to call out directors but this could have this could have done a nolan and oh. straight up its own ass <laughs> trying to be confusing because that's poignant <laughs> but it doesn't it's just it's no. uh, it's really clear what's going on at all times and if you try to think of it too intensely a bit like in the book you kind of get confused because that's not the way our brains work. Time is linear and we're not smart enough to think that way. But, yeah, it's like it presents a complex concept in a digestible way. Yes. Like Jurassic Park. But I still, this is still a movie that has a lot to say, I think. I kind of feel like this film could be seen different ways and, and I think it probably depends on the stage of your life that you're in and everything. But to me, this- this movie is kind of about the inevitability of choice. You know, when 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 Jeremy Renner asks her, do you want to make a baby? It's not really a choice to her. And, like, you know, fate is such a complex issue in storytelling mm. where, you know, there are some stories that are very much you craft your own fate. It doesn't matter. Even if you see the future, you can change things. It's kind of left unclear in this film whether or not what she's seeing is one version of reality or whether that is the only true path for her. Mm. But it's it's kind of – it doesn't really matter to her. Like, she is going to have this child and she knows that. And I think it's – to me, that's really what this film is about is that it, it you can't 
change things. And, you know, like she knows her child is going to die young. She knows that there's going to be issues and hard times ahead, but Mm -hmm. it's still not even really a question to her. And I just think the message of that is beautiful. That was um, an interesting difference between the book and the film is that in the book, her daughter dies suddenly doing something she loves. Whereas in the film- Does she die in a car crash? Is that right? No, she dies in a climbing accident. She's a climber, like they, you know. Right. She and talks she, about but that But she's a lot. much older, though, right? Because in, in the film, she's about 12 when she dies. Yeah, which you and I argued about because I was like, no way, that's not 12. That Like, she looked like a, you know, like a 16-year-old and then you looked it up and you were like, eh, yeah, whereas, she's meant to be around. Whereas in the book, she's already moved away and is living yeah. at college. Yeah, she's a young adult. Yeah. But, yeah. but she dies suddenly, so she doesn't suffer. And she's doing something she loves at the time. Whereas in the film, she clearly dies over a period of time from an illness, like they're, yeah, you know, checking born. her glands. And yeah. Yeah. So that's another interesting, like, or would you do it if you knew, like, if, if you had the choice, that is, yeah. like, if it's not just fated and you have no choice, would you do it if you knew your child was going to suffer? Like, you get all that time with them, which is never enough time, but- yeah, I don't know. It, yeah, it was an interesting direction that the movie took and I suppose explains, I guess, a little more why, why her and Jeremy Renner's relationship falls apart, that she can see in the future they will fall apart Yeah, because he doesn't agree once he finds out later he's already got this child. Yeah. Yeah, he finds out later that she will pass away. Yeah, and he feels like he should have been yes. told that. He should have been yes. given the whole story up front Which so that he can- is understandable. Yeah. Like, that's it, a pretty shit thing to do. Come guess, on, Amy. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? It's, all, I mean, obviously completely different, but it's it's a little like gender reveals, you know, like where one partner wants to know and the other partner doesn't. And it's like, how- <laughs> that's, that's a- what? No, well, yeah, that's like, not how, the how same do, thing. How do, you, how do you balance that? That is not the same thing. I didn't say it was. <laughs> you said it's like it. It's nothing like it. Piss off. <laughs> you piss off. I, I do think, though, apart from that interesting choice, and I and I do I do wonder why they chose to do that, but, you know, yeah. I do think overall it's one of the very rare examples of a movie being better than the book. Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah, I do think that happens. Like, really? I'm, a, I'm a massive Michael Crichton fan, but I do think that the film Jurassic Park is better than the book. Yes, you said that. Um, it it does happen. Yeah, <laughs> rarely, rarely. Yeah, because yeah. um, we're in the throes of Harry Potter right now. I'm just like, it's very rare <laughs> because there's eight of those films, and none of them are as good as the book. Yeah, they they all suck. Anyway, that's another story for another time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, let's. Let's talk about the cast then, because it is kind of a limited cast. I think Hmm. structurally, you know, like there's not that many characters. Amy Adams, I think, is fantastic in this role. I think she conveys this great sense of vulnerability while still being strong and and self-sufficient and knowing Yep, knowing her is. worth. Exactly, when, yeah. When she's, like, not prepared to compromise on her access to yeah, the aliens yeah. um, for the sake of getting to be the person who works on it. Yeah. Like, works on deciphering their language. Uh, that's just a really cool moment. And then they're yeah. like, all right, well, we're going to go consult with the next in line, which is, you know, your, like, shitty colleague at some other uni. Yeah. And she's like, well, 
ask him what that means. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you know it's a because you know he he's got a he's got a tattoo of a Chinese character that he thinks means family, but it actually means spring roll. <laughs> You're not selling this film to someone who hasn't seen it. That is not what happens. Um, but I I absolutely love that this film takes. A very familiar premise, the arrival of aliens. We've seen it a million fucking times. I'm going to talk about it coming up soon with Liz from Movie Reviews and 20 Qs, who who chose to do Independence Day as a throwback. (laughs) Speaking of Will Smith punching people. (laughs) Almost couldn't be a more different film. But, like, in theory, it's the exact same premise. Aliens arrive. Well, yeah. It's been done. It's been done to death. But I love that this is one of the only films I can think of that really flips that on its head by saying, okay, like, yeah, okay, all right. Of course, the military and defense and everything are involved. They're going to be. That's the reality of a situation like oh, this. Oh, sure, because you but don't know their intentions. But let's look and- at this from the perspective of, of real nerds. <laughs> like, like, let's look at this from the perspective of a, a mathematician in Jeremy Renner's character and mm. a linguist in Amy Adams. Mm. It's a concept that's very – it reminds me of, you know, Michael Crichton's work. You think of Sphere, for example, where you no. you get a biologist and a mathematician and, and that's kind of your alien greeting team. Mm. It's not something that you traditionally see in a lot of media because people go for the action. But I think this is a really, really clever way. Yes, but why do, do people that? go for the action? It's just so tiresome. Like Independence Day, I used to think of as a fun film, but I was like, really? Do we just have to shoot them up straight away? And it's just like, oh, for fuck's sake, you'd have to be really pretty ignorant to think that we're the only life in the universe. And then if life turned up, from elsewhere, like, wouldn't you want to learn from them? Exactly, yeah. The key priority should be, as this film demonstrates, linguists but trying do, to figure but do out we, how to communicate. Okay, let's say this really happened. Do we do we trust? Do we trust that would happen? I don't. No, no. I, I'm just. I'm. I'm having a. I don't. I don't like society anymore. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't and, trust humanity to do the right thing. <laughs> and I think this film has a lot of fun with with that idea of. Language and mm. what what does language mean? And can language be more than just communication? Can it be part of culture, for example? And so I can see why the patron who suggested this is actually a poet and a writer. So I can see why he loves this film because mm. I think that you know from a language perspective, there's a lot of fun things in this film. Mm. Mm. Let's let's talk about Jeremy Renner as well because I don't know about you, I'm not typically a Renner fan. Like, do you usually like him? Oh, I mean. Whatever he shows up in things, and I'm like, "There's Jeremy Renner." <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't like actively hate him, but I don't. I'm not like, "Cool, Jeremy Renner's here." <laughs> Isn't he just always Jeremy Renner? I don't feel well, like he plays things any differently. <laughs> I, I think that this is probably one of those rare exceptions because it's funny. Even though I don't, he's not. He's not a large, muscly dude or anything. Like he's he's not the Rock. And yet I, what? Well, Who is, except for The Rock? And yet I definitely associate Renner with action films. Yeah, probably. Like, yep. you know, he burst onto the scene with, a, it was was it Zero Dark Thirty or um or the other one? <laughs> <laughs> um, aren't you supposed to be a film podcaster? <laughs> and, you know, obviously now he's heavily associated with Hawkeye, who's just <laughs> the, the worst. fucking worst. <laughs> uh, but so it's interesting to see him take on a role like this where he is quite a quiet and nuanced um, person, I think it's it's. Is he is he is he nuanced? I don't you don't know. think so? Nah, <laughs> I don't know. 
I think he's all right. He, does, <laughs> he, you know, he stands there and delivers his lines, and good. I don't really care either. I'm not. I'm not bothered by. <laughs> You're him. not here for Renna. You're here for Adams. Yeah, yeah. I think she does a great job, and it's weird. I don't think of her either as being like this amazing drama actress who takes yeah. on these quiet films, but she does an excellent job. And I am a hundred percent convinced that she listened to the audiobook because she channels the the way that woman reads the book really well. I felt like I was listening to Amy Adams. Let's talk about Villeneuve mm-hmm. and the, the direction of this film and the cinematography by Bradford oh, Young, which is just another reason I love this beautiful. film. Because I could just I could even just put it on mute, not that you would, and just just look at it. This is an extremely, extremely well-made film. Like, not only is it well-written and a great story and great acted, but the cinematography in this film and that blend with visual effects is mm. just- So, this is a really low-budget film. This was only- Really? This is $47 million, which, are, yes, that sounds like a lot of money. But you compare it to a typical sci-fi film where you're generally around the, you know, $150 to $200 million mark. Right. This is relatively low cost. And I- It doesn't look it. It looks absolutely beautiful. This is- I'd argue to say that prior to Dune, I think this is one of- um, Villeneuve's best looking films like there's an argument to be made for Blade Runner 2049 of course but I think that a lot of that had its style set by yeah. its predecessor and and he was kind of playing with a set uh, look and, and feel there yeah. whereas this film is just beautifully crafted and the production design is just gorgeous. Yeah, out, out of nowhere because all they've had is the book to go on which certainly is not a what's the word I'm looking for? Like not colourful book. No, that's right. There's not, not a lot of descriptors in it. It's no, because it's very much It doesn't written- paint pictures in your mind yes. like um you know other sci-fi's or you know um adventure stories yeah. or it's very magical much an stories. internal monologue story where yeah. it's it's all about her memories and yeah. and language and everything. Like even the heptapods themselves, from memory, the book doesn't go into a great description about what they look like. Yeah, it just said sort of like like obviously a, the number of legs. Yeah, and that's you know where heptapod comes in, and it, like it was a very sort of brief description in one chapter. Yeah, and. It didn't even feel like it was a big moment in the book, whereas, yeah, of yeah. course, of course, seeing an alien for the first time would just freak you the fuck out, and they do that really well in the film. Yeah. Like, you know, like like they have sort of like this very visceral reaction to what they're yeah. seeing. And, um, you know, and of course the soldiers and stuff who have been there the whole time are like, oh, yeah, all right, well, hurry up. Yeah. Get, get over it and get back up there. <laughs> yeah. So, what did you think of the design of the heptapods? Yeah, I loved it. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. And and I love- Because even, even though language is such a huge part of this story, the book doesn't go into great detail about what the written heptapod word looks like either. You know, like mm. it's, it's very, very similar structurally. It talks about, you know, heptapod A and heptapod B, how the written language is vastly different to the- mm. But stylistically, I love that design of heptapod B where- And the way it kind of comes out of the heptapod as, as almost ink like a squid- or yeah. something. Yeah. Um, which you is mean, very you mean their language, not the creatures themselves. Yeah. 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 yeah which right. is very different to the book where they're actually typing the language, which is strange, and they've got screens and everything. There's something really organic about these creatures, which is just really, really pretty to look at. <laughs> mm. I like as well that, you know, maybe that was a very 
intentional choice. Like, because, okay, like, they do look a bit like squids, sort of. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, you know, many legs. <laughs> kind of <yeah>. tentacle-like <laughs> in nature. Yeah, and even, like, even though they're not in water, they sort of, the way they move and float is sort of as if through water. Yeah. But um, it still feels alien enough that it's not like looking just at a squid. Yeah. But I, I, I do wonder if it was an intentional choice not to go the sort of – it would be very easy to turn something with eight legs into more alien – aliens. Yeah, um, that's right. Yeah. Or, yeah, like, you know, Independence Day. Like those – even District 9. God, I had such hopes for that film and it was just shit in the end. Yeah, I but, agree. But, like, they always come across very menacingly. And maybe it was a choice to maybe not make them so menacing, but I don't know. Even if they had looked menacing, the film does not play to that at all. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a clever piece of design because they just look neutral. Like, they don't they don't look good or bad. Like, you believe that if they wanted to attack humans, they could. Yeah. But they yep. just, you know, that's not and, what they're And when for. someone attacks them, they move their pods higher up off the ground. They're yeah. like, nope, well, you've- You've tested us now and that's yeah. rude. We're gonna we're just gonna remove ourselves. Which, by the way, speaks to the patience of them. I wouldn't have that amount of patience. <laughs> you wouldn't have patience for Renner? It wasn't Renner. It was, you know, the like what what do they say? The soldier who's been listening to too much like Fox News or something. <laughs> it's in his brain. <laughs> yeah. Um visually this film is just so beautiful to me. And normally I don't like films that put a really heavy sort of wash, like it's yeah. got a sort of- A specific colour palette that's yeah. very kind of dry and- Yeah. yeah. Well, cold even. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I really like it in this film because it just kind of leans into the, like, the green scapes of Montana yeah. and her sort of quiet life that she leads. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't know. I really- I really like it. It's the same reason, controversial, that I love the Pride and Prejudice film with Kira Knightley and everyone's like, what? We'll do that on the show at some point. You know, it's a real shame, actually. Just And you won't fall asleep this time? Just last week, Downton Abbey 2 was meant to come out and I had that on the schedule for us to do together. Sweet. It's, you know, we're Downton heads. Yeah, but- and you'll be making scones, right? Yeah, but it got delayed, so ho- hopefully it'll come out soon. I want my scones. <laughs> so this film got nominated for eight Oscars. Um, best picture, director, adapted screenplay, cinematography, editing, production design, sound editing, and sound mixing. Mm. It oh, only, yeah, the sound is great. It only it? won one, which was for sound editing. Yeah, And it okay. is well-deserved. I yes. agree. This, and it's funny because it's not what you would typically – again, sound editing usually goes to movies that are um, – much more action driven in nature and you've got a lot more to play with but mm. like yeah this the, is more the sound design of the heptapod speech for example mm. is amazing but even the way they use sound as well like during the explosion um like when she's well her and Jeremy Renner are going up in like i guess it's like a cherry picker up to the heptapods for the first time. Yeah. Like, because at some point, you know, their their gravity or lack of gravity takes over and so you can walk horizontally up the tunnel, but you have to go up in a cherry picker while you're still connected to the Earth's gravity. Yeah. And the way they use sound in that moment, like the voices fade away from the ground and then 
because she's in her suit, like there's just a lot of breathing yeah. and her breath um, really sets the tone for how you feel in that moment as well. Yeah. I mean, I know that's been done before in other films, but I don't know. I just liked it. Yeah. Yeah. I think the other thing that I love that I really want to mention is the score as well by yeah. Johan Johansson, who very sadly died only a few years after this film came Aww. out. Um, brilliant, brilliant score. And I think it's a real shame that this score wasn't up for yeah. Oscar as well because yeah, that's it's weird. just What was it up beautiful. against? Because I really love- Like, I actually have been looking it up to use in my dance classes because it's so beautiful and yet kind of ambient in nature as well. So th- this was the year, obviously that. Th- so this film didn't win Best Picture. Obviously, this is this is the year that Moonlight won in that big controversy where they first gave it to La La Land. <laughs> it wasn't controversy; it was just a mistake. Yeah. So La La Land also took Best Director, of course, and Best. Um, that was a good year for films. Yeah, it was, it was a great a lot year of good for stuff. films. Moonlight is brilliant, mm. and, and uh, La La Land. I like that. So Best Score, of course, went, went to, to oh, went of to course, La La Land. of course, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. All right, I'll allow it. (laughs) The Oscars obviously wasn't a complete dumpster fire that year. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it still had its hiccups. (laughs) (laughs) I do, like, don't get me wrong, I love this film. I adore this film. I think it's a near-perfect film, and I think that there are a couple of things that that drag it down for me. What? All right, firstly, it's a real shame. Because I think the direction up to this point is stunning. And I think this film does a really, really great job of respecting its audience. Mm-hmm. Until the end when you when you get the reveal. Mm-hmm. And the thing about it is that by the, by the time you get the reveal that she's seeing the future, the past and everything, it's not, it's not really that big a, a deal anymore. Like, it's, it kind of flows so naturally that it's not like it's a surprise. Well, I don't no, I need, disagree. I don't need, like, a four-minute montage of- flashbacks kind of reveal you know what i mean it's a very long segment at the end there that is completely unneeded Mm, yeah okay Um, i also don't i don't feel that way but i could see how you might yeah i also don't need and this is the one point where i think the book does it better i don't need the subplot with the china chinese ambassador Mm. where she you know has this memory of something that she told him and she i i just don't need it i think that it's unnecessary and it plays a little bit too heavy into what I an aspect of that the film could have gone which it doesn't until that point the whole kind of military response and uh, you know, I, governments no, I, like I don't care that. about that I I just want I want to see a linguist learning a language <laughs> like yeah yeah I I don't need that little I, subplot I there. disagree because okay the book in the book there's only one uh pod that landed and spacecraft or whatever you want to call them. Um, no, there's multiple. It, no, no. Yeah, yeah, there are. Yeah, there's multiple. She talks about talking to the other linguists at other at other looking glass sites. Oh, I uh, sorry, I didn't realise that was in other countries. Yeah, though. yeah, it there is. Are, yeah, there are other looking glasses. Yeah. Okay, we'll see. But then I don't know. I still feel like the film went in a better direction because let's face it, you only have to look at the world right now. Yeah. That's. Different countries would respond differently. That's true. And there would, you would hope, oh, my God, you would hope, at first you would hope there would be, you know, communications between everyone and they're all sharing what they learnt. And But I don't know. I, I feel like it's a pretty accurate representation yeah. of the world today that, you know, after a while people would be like, what are they doing in Russia? Oh, we don't trust China. They're, they're jumping the gun, blah, blah, blah. 
yeah, I, I firmly believe that that would be the yeah. case. And I, I really liked that addition to the film. I don't know. I just feel like there might be less cheesy ways to do it. I, I feel like that whole sequence feels very cheesy to me and unlike the rest of the film. Mm, okay. And I don't. I just don't need – I feel like it's trying to add a level of tension in that scene, you know, like where she's yeah. sneaking the phone and she's going in. It just, it doesn't feel like the rest of the film to me and I just don't – yeah, I, I don't need I, it. I it's not what I need like, from this film. Yeah, okay. But I do feel like it adds a climax to the film. Yeah. I love that they give her the gift because, you know, one day they'll need something from Earth. Yeah. But in giving her the gift – to learn this language and teach this language and study it. It's not just a gift for her, it's a gift for Earth because the language unites Earth. Yeah. Because yeah. rather than breaking off into, you know, as always, different segments and China deciding to fire at them, um, it actually unites them. And that, to me, that's the theme of the book. There you go. Oh, there you that's, go. Sorry, that's the theme of the <laughs> Full circle. Yes. Like, yeah, I mean, like a, the language. There a, you go. It's a very, it all connects. It's a very small nitpick for me. Like I said, I still absolutely love this film. Mm. I am a nine out of ten on this film. I think it's one of Villeneuve's best. Mm -hmm. I personally think I probably like it even better than Dune, which I know a lot Whoa. of people at the moment, I don't, maybe there's a bit of recency bias there. I think Dune is excellent as well, but no, I, didn't yeah, see it. I think that this film is absolutely excellent. Mm. Um, how are you scoring this? I am a 10. A 10? Yep. Wow. This is a perfect film to me. Wow. I will watch it as a source of comfort forever. It, it, like, it stays in my pile. Do it. Do I need to crack out a Noosk's big call sound? Don't, please don't do that. I will not come back if you give me a sound bite. And you need me in your back pocket for when you have a gap. Okay, okay. That's what she said. Oh, stop. Okay, right. We're done. Go watch a movie. Done. No, well, th I mean, this was this was awesome. Thank you, Paul, for making us watch this one. Because whoever you are, Paul, you're a good egg. <laughs> yeah, it's um. It's yeah, it's just a great movie that we both love, and I never would have done an episode on it without it being a patron request. So well, that's insane. So thank you, Paul. <laughs> um, next week I will be joined by Sam Hurley from Movie Reviews and Twenty Qs, Marvel nerd that he is, <laughs> talking about Morbius. <laughs> Ew, hard pass. Good, good, good for you, Sam. I hope you enjoy what looks to be like a complete piece of shit. I mean, April is kind of going to be the month of Sam because then from memory, my last episode of April, he's going to be coming back because the unbearable weight of massive talent, the Nicolas Cage movie where Nicolas Cage plays Nicolas Cage is coming out. <laughs> what? Oh, yeah. Is this a thing? It's, it's a thing. And it looks fucking beautiful. Beautiful. It, look, it looks incredible. I cannot wait. You mean, you mean it looks bad and- no. It's so good it's bad. No. no. It looks so good it's good. What? Yeah. No. Nicolas Cage playing Nicolas Cage. Yeah. I'm not joking. Will I'm he have a pig? I'm not Sadly, probably not. That, that was another great movie. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> but anyway, so that's that's what's kind of coming up soon. Uh, and well, then, I hope and it's better than what Morbius looks to be. I can't believe they're letting Jared Leto just still work. What the fuck? 
He just needs to go die in a hole. And then, of course, in May, Topher and I are going to be doing our month of Willy Picks, where we're going to check out all of Bruce Willis's direct-to-DVD releases from last year. There's eight of them. I think we're going to be recording that in the next couple of weeks, Noosk. So. I hope you don't get banned from certain sites because it's called Month of Willy Picks. We thought long and hard about what to name. <laughs> oh, stop. Stop. <laughs> Gross. Uh. All right. Well, thank you very much for joining us. In the meantime, if you want to get in touch with me, you can do that at wewatchedathing.com or wewatchedathing at gmail.com. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all under the handle at wewatchedathing. If you want to help support the show like our great friend Paul from the UK does and tell us something to watch, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash wewatchedathing. And we'll catch you next week. When you said, all right, thanks for joining us, I thought you were talking about me and I was like, you're most welcome. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, no, lucky I didn't say that. <laughs> do, do you have anything you want to plug, News? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, thank you.